Hello, and welcome to a crustaceous episode of the Drywall Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Harmon. With us today, Ryan Glass of Smooth as Glass Drywall from Northern Maine. Ryan and I dive into his early experience in the restaurant industry as a chef, and we also discuss his transition from being a chef to a painter and finally getting into the drywall trade. So I'm not going to pretend like I did all the right things because trust sure. me, it, uh, when I made the split there, it's not like I initially just went off and started my own business. Like I, I was looking for someone to hire me. And at the time, there was no one hired or at least no one willing to take me on. So I, okay. I, I probably reached out to five other crews in the area and all of them were either not hiring or didn't have enough business to take me on. We talk about business, we talk about pricing, but we also get heavy into uh, talking about the tools. He also busts some direct questions for me about Fresco Harmony during this interview. The month of August on the Drywall Podcast is brought to you by the Drywall Supply Yard in Montrose, Colorado. They carry Fresco Harmony and they're awesome. If you're in Colorado, Montrose, go check those guys out. If you are interested in sponsoring one of the months of the Drywall Podcast, you can get in touch with me directly at info at frescoharmony.com to discuss. The Drywall Podcast was also brought to you by Fresco Harmony, making walls better since 2004. New episodes of the Drywall Podcast can be listened to every Friday on your favorite platforms such as Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and also YouTube. But for now, Ryan Glass on the 62nd episode of the Drywall Podcast. Let's get into it. Ryan Glass. Ryan Glass will like, he'll hit me up on social and be like, dude, I want to tell my story. I want to be on the Drywall Podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I've listened to a bunch of them, man. I, I love hearing other people's stories. Cool, cool. Uh, do you have any uh, any ones that stand out that you really liked? Uh, I love what I. It was the Kayla one. Uh, okay. What was it? Kyle Herbert was it? Yeah, the honky tonk taper. Yeah, the one where he's talking about CSR and everything. Yeah, he's I talking trash. Thought, yeah, I thought it was I, kind of funny. Candid. Yeah. He was being. Yeah, he was being candid. The trash yeah. talk episode. Yeah, I like it when uh, I like that, you know, I'm not like, I mean, individual companies sponsor particular months of the drywall podcast. You know, we give them shout outs. We do a little plug at the beginning and the end. But, you know, I don't I feel like you're going to get more value if people are coming on here and, you know, saying how they feel and not really being tempered by, oh, you know, level fives paying me money you know, to, to talk about this tool that I use once in a video and never use again, that to me, that, that has zero value to it. You know, I mean, it has yeah. monetary value to the person, but I don't know. I'm coming in hot. I'm coming in hot, Ryan. Oh, man. <laughs> so, uh, you've got to explain some of this, this harmonies, the yeah. fresco harmony stuff because i was looking at, even watching a couple of the videos i didn't quite understand what it was or how it worked let's establish some ground rules here uh ryan call uh, ryan you messaged me on instagram right and you were like hey man how do i get on the podcast i was like done you're on or maybe Which you may really surprised you're you responded to something um i love I don't really have too much of a filter unless it's like somebody that's not in the trade. You know, I wouldn't interview a DIYer that's done, that's done, you know, drywall once. Although we've had some newbies. Those are fine. Yeah. I like the newbies. Those are really fun interviews. But uh, um, I like to dive into like, um, how many years have you been? Well, do you run your own company or do you work for somebody? I run my own company. Okay, and that's uh, Smooth as Glass, which is a great name. Um, how long have you ran your own company? 
So I've run my own company for four years now. Okay. With that's, a lot of bumps in the road. Yeah, that's pretty new. We'll talk about that. And you, where are you out of? Maine. Maine, that's right. No, Might as well be have? Canada to everyone else. May as well may as well be a Canadian, the north another northerner. Um, we just had Elise, uh, whose episode drops tomorrow, uh, from New Brunswick, right above you guys. Now yeah. she she was claiming that they're like the lobster capital, but I mean I've always heard Maine lobster. What do you guys have like a little do you have a little rivalry there? Who's got the better lobster? Well, Ironically, I used to be a chef doing seafood, and that was constantly a, a bitter point of contention with lobsters okay. and whatnot. Give me the truth. I want the truth. Well, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, Maine holds that title. Okay. Um, All right. Shots fired. From my yeah. From my understanding, <laughs> like the majority of lobsters gets transferred to New Brunswick, not the other way around. Ooh. Cross country to the West Coast, because most people don't know this. But lobsters on the West Coast don't have claws. So that's the reason okay. why they get shipped from the East Coast over to the West Coast. They'll they'll so the lobsters maybe from the West Coast, um, you're you've got a like they're just used in they'll package that meat and ship it out. Yeah. And, but but you don't get the 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 main the main lobster in the tank with the claws that are that are that have the rubber bands. Like yeah. that, that you get to pick out. Okay. All right. So uh, you heard it here first from Ryan Glass. He's a chef. He's from Maine. He says that Maine lobsters are better than uh, New Brunswick. Um, uh, although New Brunswick, I think she just said they, they have like some type of saying or title, like home of the the biggest lobster or the best lobster. I'd love to see the trademark on that. <laughs> <laughs> okay i'll have to re-listen to the uh interview so the interview drops tomorrow so tune in you know by the time this airs you know uh elisa's interview will have been out it's episode number 60 you're going to be 61 that's yeah. awesome um four years how long in the trade total six maybe seven you count my part-time summers Okay, and how'd you? How old are you? Thirty-five. And uh, were you first-generation drywaller? Yes, I've got plenty of family members that are like in the construction business. Okay, but they're all they're all out of the game now, and I just I never really stuck my hand into it at all. I got into kitchens, never left it, and uh, wish I had done it much sooner. I don't, okay. I don't know how many people you know that say they they want to go from a kitchen to drywalling, but that's how yeah. happened. Yeah, I mean, uh, I was talking a little bit about that with Elise. Like, um, like in my experience, the the salty journeymen were like, "Don't don't get into this trade, kid. Save yourself a lot of misery." And I was always like, "Well, I really, I kind of like the mud." It does this trade doesn't bother me. I didn't even mind the sanding too much. You know, it catered to my artistic sensibilities. It wasn't that big a deal. You know, I didn't mind. It was, and I think that's why I sort of gravitated towards uh mud to begin with, was because like I liked it. It was like, oh, I could do this all day. Sure. Yeah. You know, make a paycheck, whatever. Cool. So, but before we get into drywall, you got into this culinary world um did you how did you get into that well first i really wouldn't even call myself a chef i was probably more apt to be in a short order line cook okay i mean i, I worked in plenty of restaurants some of them high end some of them low end but i certainly would never call myself a chef but a lot okay. of them get upset when you haven't gone through the proper procedures for it but as far as cooking goes i mean i'd I started in one of the most basic restaurants you could get your hands on, which was Denny's at the time. Okay. So I don't, you have Denny's out where you're at? Oh yeah. I never go there. Good call. I have Good a little call. better, I have better standards than that, but yes, we do have, de <laughs> we do have Denny's. 
and, and no no shame if you go to denny's no shame man um but i i'm a i'm a i'm a bit of a food snob you know i'm picky eater but i'm also i i like good food nothing wrong with that no no, no. but uh yeah I, I started out at denny's and i was there for a few years and uh luckily i found someone kind of took me under their wing and in bar harbor which is like a uh, really well-known chorus place in Maine. And once I got there, I started getting into more upscale restaurants to work in. And after a few years, I was running my own kitchens. Okay. Um, but it, it was one of those things where I, I like, I, I never developed anything that I thought I was really good at. Okay. So when I got into kitchen work, I finally like felt, felt like I had something that I was really, really good at. And I could say that I was better than most people at, and I never wanted to let that go, which is why I stayed in it for so long. Okay. You had an affinity for cooking. Now, just for the layman like myself, I might be, I might have a sense, sense, sensitive palate, but like I, you know, and I cook, but I'm not, I'm, you know, what would be the difference between a short order cook and a, you know, so I guess there's different levels to get to chefery. Like, you yeah. know, you've, you've, you watch the bear probably, right? Yeah. Yeah. Do you enjoy the bear? The, the, yeah, the, like, the, the show, it's pretty good. So that would depict, they do a pretty good job. And so that depicts maybe, uh, and if you haven't seen the bear, it's about, uh, it's about, a high-end restaurant especially getting into season two very good show i recommend it um and it kind of it's a porthole into the world of restaurant tier you know and and being a being a cook in a in a high-end restaurant um so just in your words what's the difference between these how many levels are there and what are the differences um i think one of the definitive parts about being either a short order line cook or a chef is uh, when you walk into a restaurant, they tend to have like set menus. Like there's only these items. You, you cook all these items, and you have to do it within a certain amount of time. Okay. Whereas if you're a genuine chef, you're generally in a much more upscale restaurant where time is not necessarily the issue. It's more about like creativity. Okay. So your menu is constantly changing, usually with the seasons or uh, events or whatnot. So you you get to create your own meals, things like that. Okay. There's much more detail that goes into it. So okay. I, I never really got into that. I wasn't like creating my own menus and things like that. It was just more like they gave me a menu. I had to create a proficient system to execute it on the line. And that was pretty much it. Okay. Now at your house, are you the cook? Are you like, wife, get out of the kitchen. I'm going to cook. Uh, just, you know, you can do the dishes, maybe. You know, I cook, you do the dishes. Or do you have Herbie sous chef? How does that work? Uh, nowadays, I want nothing to do with cooking. If I can avoid it, <laughs> if, okay. if I can avoid it, I avoid it at all costs. Nothing all right. to do with it. You, you've yeah. been tainted. Too much cookery. <laughs> it started out with like a really strong love and then ended with a bitter hate. Jeez Louise. Um, cool. So d does your, are you married? No. So no, okay. not married and no kids. Don't ask no me how kids. that happens. Okay. Do you have a girlfriend? Nope. Nope. Okay. Swing and single. All right. You heard it here. Ryan Glass, single and uh, looking to mingle. Just need on to the get my, uh, my, Tinder, <laughs> my Tinder name up there on the board sometime. <laughs> Are you doing like the online dating stuff? No. Okay. I, honestly, I don't think I would even bother right now. I've heard that's how people are doing it now. I, I don't, um, I haven't, but I've heard that's like the predominant dating method is like pff, online. That's how you yeah. find your special person. Like, why do they always call ev all everybody chef? I think it's a little redundant and ridiculous. Do they do that in high-end restaurants? Like, yes, chef, no chef. Yeah, it's uh, more of a respect thing. It's a respect thing. Okay. Or, uh, you know, anyone that's not a chef will tell you it's an ego thing. You're just, you're stroking the chef's ego. That's all you're okay. basically doing. And in the design world, it reminds me of design and decorator. So designers have architectural and stability, like they have training and degrees and shit like that. Decorator 
is like picks colors and I, you know, so be careful with that. Be careful with decorators calling themselves designers and a designer would never call themselves a decorator. Fun fact. And I could be wrong there. You can email me at info at frescoharmony.com if I'm wrong or whatever, but that's just what I've known. And if you are working with a designer, because uh, as you're going to get into Fresco Harmony. I'll sell you on it here in a second. But like, as you get into that, you might get to work with designers and they're picking colors and they're super picky and all that stuff. And you may work with decorators as well. People that, and I've ran into both good decorators, good designers, bad decorators, bad designers. So um, that's neither here nor there. So you're in the restaurant world. You're like, I can't do this anymore. How in the world did you make that jump from restaurant to drywall? So it really wasn't much of a conscious decision. It was just more like luck of the draw. Uh, one of the other cooks that I used to work with, he was getting out of the game and he ended up getting a job with a pretty well-known painter in the area. Okay. So I just happened to be crossing by him on the sidewalk one day. He already knew I wanted out, asked me if I wanted a job. I said, yep, finished out that season cooking and uh, ended up getting on a painting crew. So okay, drywall wasn't even necessarily the first thing. So the way he had it was he had a... Wait a second. A... Are you telling me you started as a dirty painter? I know. I know. I'm going to get a bunch of hell for it. Uh, I feel like I feel like we shouldn't even we shouldn't even allow you on the show, but well, we're, listen, I, we're already this far beneath. in. <laughs> I'm glad you I kept it. it I'm glad you kept it quiet until now. <laughs> so that's good, though. You painted for uh, how long? Uh, two years. OK, so it, I worked for him for two years, but he kind of had his crew split between painters and drywallers. So I did painting okay. for the first few months. And then uh, I get my first taste of doing drywall. He he did a lot of like hotel work. So I don't know if you've ever had to do that, but it sucks. <laughs> uh, the the very yeah. first experience you get with it is you have to level five over like a hundred plus rooms so that they can put the wallpaper up. So top uh, to bottom skin coats in over a hundred rooms. Wallpaper is like my nemesis. Can't stand yeah. this stuff. I had a buddy trying to convince me to learn how to do it. And I don't want anything to do with it. It looks yeah. like just one giant headache. Yeah, we I go I go over it with Fresco Harmony, which is like a definite rule breaker. But uh, I've gone over it a bunch, covered it up. Yeah. yeah, which I get lots of flack over. But there's other people now. I think it's becoming more predominant, especially with Fibafuse. You can use Fibafuse. You can use Red Guard primers and shit. You don't even deal with like pulling that stuff off. Just like prep it mud over it you know going about your life you know it's it's just horrible yeah so i got cool. a really hard start yeah kind of kind of you went like uh you went on, on a rocky road there through painting but you probably gleaned a lot of good information uh from painting that you could apply then to drywall to make your drywall finishing better yeah yeah i mean you learned about flashing pretty much yeah. right from the get-go and you can yeah. spot that out real quick yeah. yeah yeah very cool so, so uh so you started to do drywall with that company what was the name of that company uh a team painting okay and that was out of what town in maine is that bar, bar. harbor yeah cool did they have the a team logo with like you know did everybody had to have everybody had to have a mohawk with the sideburn beard like uh like oh. ba no, we didn't really have any clothing. But that would have been nice. His his logo sort of looked sort of looked like the eighteen logo, like you would expect, okay. but not quite. You're kind of young. You're on the cusp of even knowing what the A team is. Like, but if like the quintessential A team was a show from the eighties with Mister T and a couple other like these characters that ran around in a van. And uh, Mr. T had sideburns. And uh, there was even a cartoon. There was a A-Team cartoon for a little while. It was pretty cool. I wouldn't pretend like I know exactly all about the A-Team, but I've certainly seen a few episodes. Yeah. Yeah, not it's the pretty new good. Not the, new, not the new movie. Not that crap. Talking about the yeah. old style A-Team. Yeah, the old A-Team with the van, with the black van. 
Um, yeah. yeah, I think I remember. I, I think I'm I, I'm aware of the new A team. I may have watched part of it, but it like you know it didn't hold the candle to the nostalgia and like the A team that I grew up with. But yeah. uh, nonetheless, there's probably a million A teams out there. You worked for A team painting. And uh, what was the segue from the painting to the drywall? Did one day you go to your boss and be like, I'm dude, I'm done painting. I just want to do drywall. Well, like I said, I mean, he, he had the crews kind of split. And then once he put me on drywall and realized I was competent enough to actually handle a pan and knife. Uh, I mean, we almost exclusively did drywall me and one other guy. So okay. we'd walk in, do all the drywall work. And then the other half of the crew would walk in and paint right behind us. Okay. So that's how that started. All right. All right. Cool. Um, and then, yeah, it's hard for a business owner to release those reins to let somebody learn drywall. Uh, you know, you can put an apprentice on painting, but as far as drywall, um, you know, you that's an investment from a business standpoint, as you now know. You invest in people. Maybe they're going to show up. Maybe they don't. You spend two months training somebody, and then they go off on a bender or something. You know, it, this is this is one of those trades. But uh, uh, sometimes you train somebody, and they work out great. You know, like people I've had on the show. We've we've got some fantastic you know apprentices and new people on the show all the time that are like just love drywall, and they 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 look like they're competent. And they'd be great at it. So you were one of these types, but unfortunately too, with those types, they don't last very long. They end up starting their own company, you know, because you can make more money. Which is kind of what ended up happening. Yeah. Yeah. Now, do you still work though with uh, a team painting to do their drywall, but more on a subcontractor basis? How does that work? No. I mean, when I left the company, it wasn't really, I wouldn't say it was like a really bad split, but I mean, I, I don't think I really left on the greatest of terms with them. Okay. That was just, that was just like a conflict, internal conflict between me and the other crew, specifically one other person, but. Okay. It, what it, it wasn't like, I want to go make more money. I'm, I've, I've worn, you know, I've grown out of this company. It was like, actually like you had like, you had some beef. Yeah. I, uh, nice. It sounds it juicy. Yeah, it was specifically one other person that just rubbed me the wrong way. I mean, what did they do? It was just more like the the compulsive line. Like, I'm sure you've met that person that always has like extraordinary <laughs> stories that sound out of this world. Yeah. So they'll always have some extraordinary story, and it's extraordinary story after extraordinary story, and just embellishes everything. And sure. It's just, that absolutely rubs me the wrong way. So when, okay. when you can tell someone's like being a compulsive liar and just making up stuff to get attention, I can't, I really don't enjoy being around those types of people. Interesting. I wonder why that rubs you the wrong way so much. I guess I can tolerate it. I, I, I guess I can kind of like dismiss maybe reality from, uh, somebody's really trying to get a hold of me, but <laughs> So hey, you're on the uh, you're on the drywall podcast right now. Is that cool with you? It's all good. All right. And hey, you're kind of new to the Fresco Harmony, right? Yes, sir. Absolutely. So just say really quick. So so let me let me give a background. These guys are doing a whole house in Fresco Harmony. You'd never heard of Fresco Harmony, right? I've never heard of it. No. Okay. So and you're right here in Albuquerque. So the, uh. You, I know you're uh, the homeowner. They're building this beautiful custom home, 5,000 square feet. Uh, and 10,000? 10, Is it floor footage, 10,000? Oh, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. No. I oh. just get. <laughs> yeah, it's huge. I mean, the floor footage is 5,000. You know, you probably have 10,000 wall feet or whatever. You guys are doing the drywall. What's the name of your company? Alliance Paving. Okay. Paving. Yeah. So are you guys more pavers or are you more drywallers? We do all construction. Basically. All right. You guys are kind of, you know, jack of all trades. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you're, you're jumping on this uh, fresco. What do you think? Give me your, give me your first in impression of it and then I'll let you go. Yeah. I think it's awesome. It's cool. Just, it's a really nice finish. 
and uh the color looks amazing cool cool and then hopefully we're gonna do like uh we're gonna do that whole house if i can keep selling it for you guys all right cool thanks bud all right, all right bye sorry about that gotta run the podcast and the business at the same time good question though um it's kind of fun to have like you know like hey we got a caller got a caller coming in <laughs> Uh, even though they're not calling in for the podcast, it's just a work call. You I just can... need to start doing them live and make sure then try to get callers in. It's fun to pretend. <laughs> <laughs> we just crossed over 10,000 downloads on Podbeam, which is pretty cool. Congratulations. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's growing a little bit. And this is kind of taken, uh, you know, it's been cool because I've been promoting Fresco Harmony and this has sort of taken it. But, uh, uh, what what were we talking about before we got rudely interrupted? Uh, oh, I, I know what. Splitting from the eighteen. We're a little bit of a breakup there. We you had a coworker that was uh, maybe maybe exaggerates likes to exa exaggerate. Yeah, I just it was. I I wouldn't say he did anything intentionally. Just rubbed me the wrong way. Just incompatible. Fair enough. Fair enough. That's all. Okay, so so you've got at that point how much drywall experience do you have? Uh, two years. Two years. Yeah. So that's pretty ballsy to go. Like I'm going to start my own company after only two years. So I'm not going to pretend like I did all the right things because trust sure. me, it, uh, when I made the split there, it's not like I initially just went off and started my own business. Like I I was looking for someone to hire me, and at the time there was no one hiring or at least no one willing to take me on. So I, okay. I, I probably reached out to five other crews in the area and all of them were either not hiring or didn't have enough business to take me on. Okay. And starting the business wasn't even, wasn't even in my mind to start, but I got okay. a side job. The family member had said something to someone. Yeah. And uh, it was two jobs. It was that one. And the guy that I bought my truck off of at the time was a contractor. Okay. He had a job. So you saw so, some yeah. you saw some juicy coin early on. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So the business the business was not even supposed to be a thing. Just one okay. contractor gave me a shot because he heard I knew how to do drywall, and I was pretty upfront with him that I had only had two years experience, and he said done. Done. And so at that point, you probably had uh a fair amount of tools you had enough to like did you have a banjo so uh i really didn't have a whole lot of tools i probably i had like uh one of each i had like a five a six a ten okay. twelve and two pans that was about pans. it yeah okay. i remember any when scaffold did you have any scaffold no nope. okay right. I had a Stil couple benches. stilts yes i did have a pair of stilts yeah. i i was working with a bare minimum but as soon as he gave me a chance I probably did the dumbest thing I could have done, but in the long haul, it worked out. I, I think I maxed out three of my credit cards going out to buy more tools. Okay. Well, that's investing. That's not, uh, you know, that's smart. Yeah. I didn't have any money to my name at the time. So yeah, and that's, I, that's I early entrepreneurial, uh, mindset right there. It's like, I don't, I'm going to do whatever it takes to, you know, focus on this and make, and make some more, uh, and make more money but yeah. like you didn't have jobs rolling in i mean that's got to be a little nerve-wracking but you are single with no kids so that does make it easier um how did you drum up work early on uh early on the, the area that i live in is really word of mouth and uh i, I want to say the first year i struggled i I, th I think i made less money that first year than i did cooking I either made about the same or less. So that very first year was really, really rough. Yeah, mine too. Mine too. My first yeah. like 10 years. <laughs> like I, I wasn't even looking to, I, I wasn't even looking to continue on with it because it was so rough. I was looking for other avenues. Like I, I was looking into going okay. into carpentry. Okay. At which yeah. carpentry seems cool. Like, you know, of, of the trades, like, I see those carpenter dudes out there with their nail guns and their tool belts. It's like that. Ah, I could do that. I could hang with those dudes for sure. Oh, I thought about being an electrician, but I'm not a prima donna. So no, no, 
And you're probably too clean. You probably clean up after yourself. So that wouldn't have worked. Yeah. Um, not... So, uh, so 30, around 33 years young at that point in time, you just, uh, how does the work start coming in? Uh, I could probably contribute a good chunk to like one contractor. Okay. So he had, he had just lost his drywaller that had been with him for a long time. Just okay. someone that got out of the game was getting too old for it. And, okay. uh, he, I think he had like four or five houses lined up one after another. Okay. And, uh, at this point I, I had brought my brother-in-law on to be a partner because I, A, I couldn't handle the workload and B seven days a week was killing me at the time. Okay. But, uh, he, he was probably one of the biggest saving graces. So when he came in, that contractor gave us the first house, which was almost 400 sheets that we hung and finished by ourselves. Oh, that's a fatty. Yeah. That'll, that'll, you'll skin your teeth on a house like that. Yeah. I almost lost my shirt on that house. <laughs> Why? I, I didn't know anything about pricing. Huh? Oh yeah. Yeah. You're like, like, a. you see like, you know, 20 grand sounds like a lot of money. And then it's like, you know, materials burn up all your profit and you're on the job for four months and you're like, I only, I only made five grand in four months, <laughs> you know, <Yep>. whatever. <laughs> you start doing the math and you're like, I only made $5 an hour on this job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that was the reason why I said at the beginning, like I strongly do not suggest going into business for yourself the way I did. Well, I mean, though, you have to learn and there is no school that teaches you. There's business classes, but until you get out there and you bust your ass and you like figure it out, I think really that's the only way to do it. I mean, maybe don't bite off a 400 sheet house, you know, maybe do some pa some patches and stuff. But I think that's a great way to learn. So yeah. not, only, not only did your education get paid for on that project, so, you know, you say you lose your shirt. I mean, did you actually lose money on that job? No, I probably broke about as even as I possibly could have. Okay. So early on, the way that I look, I would look at a job like that is like, oh, I got paid for two months of like education. Like, yeah. like, like I didn't pay a cent and I got all that education that there's no school in the world you would learn that from. And then the yeah. next job, it's like, oh, the next job. I'll make 10 grand because I know what I'm doing now. It's that easy, you know, but you had to have that job, man. You know, that job is your saving grace. No, like I'm glad I went through the fire to, to learn yeah. everything that I did learn for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I like, I was trying to absorb all the knowledge I could from like any of the Facebook pages and stuff like yeah. that. But it seems to be pricing is like one of those things where everyone just doesn't want to tell you a damn thing. It's kind of stupid. I mean, we should all like, like I'm so important that I can't tell you what I charge. You know, um, I know it varies from area to area. Um, people look down their nose at what we charge down here, but I mean, it's different for like square footage. You know, somebody's like, Oh, what do you charge for drywall? It's like, well, are you doing it hourly? Are you, are, is the guy covering material cost um you know are they supplying the materials and you're just getting a percentage rate to finish is it hang finish and texture you know am i just There's getting variables yeah am i just getting 30 cents a square foot for hanging you know i mean or uh or finishing you know one of these one of these three aspects of it um yeah there's a lot of variables um I don't know. It's interesting. And, and it does change from region to region. I think, you know, I think as a, as a community, we should probably, if somebody has got a question about square footage, Hey man, I got this popcorn ceiling. We're on a remodel. How do you guys bid this shit? We shouldn't get mad about that. It's like, if you're experienced, tell them how to fucking bid the job so that, you know, we can all, we one can all benefit. Really, yeah. One of the things I never really understood about that too, is when you ask that, they say, if you got to ask, you need to go back and learn more. E even when you're working on someone else's crew, that's not something they're going to tell you. It's their business. They're not going to be like, Oh, by the way, this is how I'm charging for my jobs. 
It's like one of those things you got to learn by trial by fire. Yeah, and you're in Maine. Like, I don't give a shit what you charge up there. I'm in Albuquerque. It's not like you're my direct competitor. We're on social media. There's people all over the globe, you know. Uh, we can easily share uh, knowledge and information. You know, if somebody's in your area and they're calling you on the phone asking you your pricing, well, that's different, you know. But it's all it's all a little silly. There's some ego there as well. Yeah. Much like much like the restaurant industry, you know, or any industry probably, you know, egos tend to prevail, you know. Um, so you've got some knowledge. Uh, any experience with the tools, like the automatic tools? Uh, so pretty much every automatic tool I taught myself. Beautiful. No one taught me. Yeah, no one taught me how to use the compound tubes, the flat Love boxes, it. the bazooka. I, I think the only automatic tools I haven't really touched much of is the angle heads or the flushers. Okay, and you're so you're hanging your own jobs now, or do you sub that out? No, I still hang my own jobs. Nice. And do you like hanging your own jobs? Yes. Because so I, I just prefer that we do it. We know how it's going to get done. You know yeah. what I mean? And you know those price points that are factored in there. And you're young. You can, you know, your body can take the take the heat. You know, um, and you got a partner, so that helps, man. You guys can probably crank out a house pretty quick. Yeah, probably put up uh, eighty to one hundred sheets in a day on a good day. What kind of screw gun do you use? Uh, Milwaukee. You like Milwaukee? And then do you use the like? The ribbon of, have you tried doing that? Yeah, I, I don't like. I, you don't I, like I don't them because that's like out. a European thing. The dudes in Europe, that's all they use, man. And they think the they think the uh, Americans are weird because we don't use pneumatic. Is that what it's called? Pneumatic or auto feeders? Auto feeder, I guess. Um, yeah, they think we're weird for uh, loading them one at a time. Not to mention, like e each container of screws is like. 60 bucks for a container and it's only like quarter of the screws that you get in a box okay but the yeah. you you feel like that does not equate to the time savings it seems like there's a ton of time savings though yeah it, look i'm not like knocking it for the person that does use it or trying to say that it's not useful it is sure. for someone that it, yeah for someone that prefers it absolutely I, i'm sure they could waste me as far as screwing off the sheet goes okay all right so so i mean admittedly it's probably a little quicker now is this a situation where you've just never really vetted that system out yeah like i you... probably haven't vetted it out enough i used it on okay uh, two two different jobs and when you got to get into like the the inside corners with the screw uh, gun you always okay. got to take the auto feeder off in order to oh okay all right interesting i don't i didn't do a lot of hanging in my career but that's just kind of an interesting, weird aspect of hanging where I'm like, oh, it seems like the auto feeder would be quicker. I wonder why they don't use that. Is it stubbornness? Is it, you know, is it like, oh, because, well, it doesn't get everywhere you need to get with a screw gun. You know, people have their different opinions. And so it's take... a good portion is probably stubbornness on my part. <laughs> and so let's talk about, let's talk taping. Which uh, taper, which bazooka do you have? So I have the Columbia Predator. Okay. And I'm still learning to use it. Okay. Cool. I know I know exactly how valuable it is to learn it. Yeah. But and I'm sure everyone else can vouch for this. Every job feels like you're on a deadline from hell and you're just trying to get it done as quickly as possible and you don't have time to learn something. Okay. Else. All right. So do you fall back on like maybe the banjo or old techniques because you're like, I don't have time to pull that thing out? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, interesting. Uh, that's it. That's interesting to me. Um, cause I ran the banjo. I got fast with the bazooka, but to me, there was no other way than to go through the challenge of learning the bazooka. Cause I was making 12 cents a square foot finishing and the dude. Yeah. <laughs> eight God, cents. I'm sorry. Eight cents. I was making eight cents in Sierra Vista, uh, finishing, taking it from drywall to ready to texture and uh, myself. And the the bazooka was the only tool that I didn't know how to operate efficiently at all. And I'd ran it a little bit enough to be dangerous. And uh, I learned that fucker. Like it, it took like four or five houses, but like, you know, if you committed to just using the bazooka on your next five houses, no matter what the time frame, 
you'd have it. Yeah. I, I would never <laughs> And then you'd be like, you would never put that thing, you would never like go back to the old way again. Yeah. Like guaranteed. There's only like I think there's only like two other guys in my area that run automatic taping tools. So to learn it would definitely be a would definitely be an advantage. Cool, cool. And then so you've got the tape on. Um, how do you do what do you use for your angles? Uh so right now we use the compound tube for with the mud applicator okay so i have so i have a level five compound tube and then two columbia compound tubes so we use that to apply the mud and then we hand tape all the corners in oh, and then wow. we can roll them and wipe them out yes. like from the ground yep you'd be bl- you'd be blown and going we'll come up there we'll have to have aaron come up there i'll come up there just 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 for for no other reason then i would love to play with the uh predator and tape out one of your houses for you I'd be man, if i could find someone to come up and teach me how to use it i i would pay him happily okay all right you heard it here man uh it'd be fun um and then uh use a box tool then so you do like uh 10 12 12 14 how and which boxes are you running uh so we run 10 12 and 14. I have, okay. I have the uh, the box of misfit tools. Okay. I have a little bit of everything. I, I've okay. had the plat- platinum boxes, Columbia boxes, and now I have uh, all three set of the Tape Tech um, Power Assist boxes. Okay, I mean, which ones do you like? Begrudgingly, I really had a hard time with the the power assist boxes, but now that I've gotten like the hang of them and all the tips and tricks with it, I'll okay. never go back to a regular box again. So I, I love the tape tech power assist boxes. What does that mean? What are you even saying? Powerless, powerless? What are you saying? Power power assist. Power assist. That is feed, direct feed boxes? So the uh, it's, t- it's basically a normal flat box. Okay. But the way they've done it, the legs are spring loaded so that there's uh, a hook that's pressing down on the lid. So instead of you having to put so much pressure on the lid when on your walls or on the ceilings, this is is helping you press into the box. Okay. Probably better for still if you're running flats off of stilts. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Neat. Um, and, but there was a little learning curve there. Yeah. One of the downfalls of the power assist box is, uh, Whenever you're running off of the joint, uh, it's still pressing on the lid. So it'll have overflow coming out of the box. Okay. So with a regular box, when you run off a joint, like it stops the second you pull pressure off the lid. Yeah. Yeah. With a power assist, that's not the case. Like it, it gets an extra second of pressure on it. So in order to stop that, you have to click the lid back once as you come off the joint. Okay. A little bit of a learning deal and that's a tape tech tool huh yeah power assist cool i didn't even know about power assist boxes until last year this has been a pretty good conversation ryan thanks man not too bad buddy i was a little nervous in the beginning yeah um you know i take it for granted now just like fresco harmony or anything but uh when I first started doing them, I was nervous. It's like, you know, I've gotten really good at talking to people, but way better at listening. Um, I still talk over people, which I'm trying to work on. Um, you know, but that's kind of the flow. That's my style. And there's no pre-questions, dude. This is all notes on the conversation. Like your friend that comes up with like all this pre pre shit. It's like, I don't, I'm uh so wait, are those fresco harmony questions? That you have uh, a, a couple of them are uh, a lot of it is just kind of like bulletins on what to talk about so oh, my, neat. Mind, like, my mind like rattles all over the place you so had never... you had an agenda <laughs> we haven't touched <laughs> we haven't touched on anything you wanted to talk about <laughs> eh, that's not true do we we touched on a couple things we did though we're getting down to uh maybe you know 12 
uh, minutes, uh, 15 minutes or so. Um, did you now Ryan had not heard about Fresco Harmony, you know, very little about Fresco Harmony. Um, you had some questions and I was like, Ooh, wait, save them. And you can ask me on the podcast and I'll answer like questions as best as I can. So you're curious about this weird Fresco Harmony system. How much knowledge do you have, first of all, about it? Uh, very limited. So I remember watching some videos on it. Okay. I want to say a little over a year ago. Okay. But it was basic. I, it, I think it was just basically you applying it, but it never okay. really got into details about what it, what exactly it was. Okay. Or the, the process of which to finish it off. So all I saw okay. was you with colorful mud, putting it on the walls. And I'm like, isn't that just plaster? Okay. Okay. So your, your initial thought was like, oh, he's just using plaster, like a plaster material. We're using plaster, but I mean, like it just reminded me of like a, a plaster sure. method. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe you were like, why don't you, why would you use the joint compound? Why don't you just use plaster if you're going to do that? Is that yeah. accurate? Yeah. Okay. All right. So to answer that question, it was because I did a plaster project when I was in Colorado and that led to the inception of this idea. And I hated the plaster so much that <laughs> I invented Fresco Harmony. Like, <laughs> because it was so laborious and it was so expensive and the colors were really challenging to get and it took multiple people. So to do one small lid, we, my boss was like, he was mixing like the Swedish chef, you know, and he had like powders and pigments and they were flying all over the place. So he's mixing up these batches and you've got like two people applying this medium and it's taken forever. And you have these little teeny trowels and then there's this dude coming behind his burnishing and it takes all day to do one ceiling. And I'm like, you know, at the time we were doing full ceilings with what we called the Adobe texture, a pool trowel. And then we'd float the whole ceiling with like lightning bolt design, really subtle texture. Uh, we wouldn't finish the angles. And I was like, couldn't you just put color into the mud? I was doing art with color and mud at the time. And I was like, couldn't you just put the color into the mud and run this like texture and paint and texture at the same time? Yeah. Like that, that was kind of the original thought, um, you know, and then, uh, and then immediately I was like, well, you, you have to get multicolored because plaster is like multicolored. Well, I didn't know it depended on the fashion in which you put the medium on the wall. And then also there was the barrier of it's not plaster. So it has to be sealed. Like I had to figure that out also. Yeah. So, and then immediately too, I had to figure out how to consistently color each batch and not only that, I had to figure out how to communicate the color. So it's like, well, what colors do you have? It's like, you know, so I had to like match colors to paint swatches early on. And I had to formulate color for per box of mud. So that's an interesting aspect. So Fresco Harmony is an eight ounce formulated color pack for one box of mud based on a three and a half gallon box of mud, just like paint. Uh, so, is, the, is the color pack liquid or is it a powder? No, it's a liquid. So this is Martina's Storm. And then we yeah. have we have uh, 16 ounce double color packs too. They're like heavy duty color. You know, it's like yeah. twice the price, but like, you know, 10 times as much color. You know, it's like, you know, they're, but again, they're formulated because if I'm doing, you know, 10,000 square feet, I have to have perfect color every time. So, Right away, right away, the, the all-purpose joint compound started to show itself as a very, not only is it like more cost efficient than plaster, it's just efficient. You put a lid on it, come back tomorrow. It's still there. Yeah. I can patch with it. I can put a nail in it. Like, you know, these walls are all fresco, you know, like you can put sand in it and make it look like micro cement, like, you know. Um, and so a lot of that came from the art. I've been playing with color and mud for like several years. I was an artist with color joint compound and, you know, making art and stuff. And so that's kind of how it started. So I was an artist and then you had drywall, you know, and I was like, oh, you could, you know, I would much rather do fancy wall finishes. I, I this 
did, was not in the radar. I was like, I was like, oh, I'm just going to do fancy walls for people with color joint compound and make money. <laughs> that was, you know, you that were was carving my... out like a niche thing for yourself. Yeah, I was like, oh, this is cool. I can go into people's homes and make neat walls, and like I can go over existing painted texture like no problem. So that's where it came from. You know, that was kind of the Zygo original idea. And I mean, where you guys benefit is you'll get a color pack, but I send out like, uh, you know, bam. So now all of a sudden I can take a sample of the product. I can hand it to a builder and be like, dude, check this out. I'll do a free wall for you on the next house. See how you like it. It's going to look like this looks exactly like the sample. You know, yeah. if you do it, if you do it properly, the builder loves it. And now all of a sudden you're making an extra 5,000 on every job doing like just accent walls and headboard walls you know as a painter i mean you're familiar with like feature walls you know yeah. like it's a it's a thing you know in a hotel if you did one accent wall in every room in a hotel you would rake yeah so so the the whole idea has evolved so when you do like the application process is it like a is it like normal drywall like i, I gotta come back and put two three coats over it or is it a, a one-off type thing? No, no. It's like three coats, no matter what. There's a base coat that's heavier. It's textural. Yes. So that's covering up my butts and bands. Level three drywall, no sanding. You can go right over that. And then yep. you, you have a tight second coat. So the second coat is a skim coat. And you keep that abstract, your lines abstract, because that's part of the look. And that's where you get the the dimensionality of the mud. The mud in that instance is acting like plaster where how you apply it creates the two-tone effect. Hmm. And then when you put the sealer on, the sealer acts like wet sanding. It's thick, like a, like a yogurt. It's like, like a, a clear- Like a thick epoxy? Yeah, it's like acrylic, like thick acrylic. You know, so if you order a sample pack, you'll get one of these and, you know, it's enough to do like 50 square feet and you get a color pack and you can mix and make a sample or do a whole wall. If you do a wall, you want to get by like a quart of sealer, but this is, you know, this is a custom color. It's 22 on the website. You can get it through CSR though. Uh, regular colors are 17. Prices might be going up very soon, but like a quart of sealers, like, you know, 30 bucks or whatever, that'll do 200 square feet. But this is satin, it comes in satin and gloss. But this like, see, it's like thick. It's goopy. How do you apply that? Because that looks like it's much thicker than regular mud. It's thick, yeah. It's like, you know, a pan and knife or a hawk and trowel. Huh. And so when you're troweling it on, it compresses that mud and just makes it smooth as a baby's butt. Looks like plaster. Makes it as smooth as glass. Mm, yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> You've heard right. it. You've I heard it. Get it in one time. Maybe if you, time. maybe if you, uh, maybe if you did two coats. But I mean, it's it's uh, you know people's inclination is to feel it. You know when they walk into a room or whatever. Yeah. It's uh, you know it's not bulletproof. You know, it's probably softer than plaster, but it's hyper repairable and you can redo a wall. You know, it's mud, it's joint compound. So yeah. the the uniqueness was that nobody had ever developed a system to color joint compound consistently from batch to batch. This is the first in the world. Well, like, I'm glad I'm coming across it because I came across, uh, are you familiar with Never Miss? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that mud tinting stuff. I yeah. came across that and I was just like dumbfounded and excited. I found it for patchwork and everything yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, uh, that's so. that's more niche where it's like, okay, you're it's the same concept. You're you're tinting the mud, but that is just like so you can see your, you know, your patches. This yeah. is like, you know, on, this is like never miss on steroids. I mean, this yeah. is like it's not even the same, you know. You could take this bottle and put a couple of drips in a pan. And this would last you for 10 years using it in the same capacity as never miss, <laughs> you know, it's color, you know, this oh, is pure. You're, you're trying to put them out of business. I, I see. I see. 
<laughs> no, no. And I don't like to talk badly about, and I wouldn't say they're even a competitor, but I think it's snake oil. I think if you can do the same thing with uh chalk line chalk, then what are you selling yeah. me? Yeah. You know, it, legitimately, you know, what are you selling me? Um, you know, uh, or if I can get a, a jar of pigment that lasts me 20 years, well, that's not, that's not a very good market. That's not a very good, uh, business model a business model for a product that sits on the shelf you know that that you only need one bottle a year you know um this is a much better business model because i mean on a project you'll use you know i mean that that dude that i just talked to on the phone out of the gate he bought 20 color packs and four gallons of sealer and he ain't even gonna touch what it's gonna take for that house you know, but they're learning the they're learning the product. Um, you know, and that's large. That's a lot of footage out of the gate for a company like that. Um, they're going to struggle a little bit. Um, there's another company in town that does Fresco Harmony that uh, they'll he he bid that same job fifty k, and the painting bid was twenty five k. So you back out that painting bid. Now you're only like at twenty five k to Fresco Harmony a whole house with a company yeah. that's re reputable and could do a good job. I was like, dude, you should have taken that deal. Like that's not very much to trowel your house out three times. Like, you know, and they're doing, they're spraying the base coat. Like, so they're doing a method. They're doing a method with sand with a sanded second coated looks like micro cement, just like this wall here. This wall is sanded. Yeah, I can see some some texture in it. Yep. Um, so they're doing a finish where they do the sanded base coat or non-sanded base coat. They spray it out, like fog the wall with a sprayer, and then they go into the sand second coat and they seal it. It's like the dudes will like blow out a house in nine days. Like that's unheard of. So this is yeah. fast forward 20 years. This is what I'm working on now. And then we just got into uh, England. So uh, those dudes are going crazy for it yeah. over there. I was about to say that would probably be a great market for something yeah. like that. A lot of the old style buildings over there. Yeah, it never occurred to me, but they're doing a lot of plaster as well. This is just, it's just something to offer other than plaster, you know, or paint and texture or paint and smooth finish. You know, it's just something cool that you could offer your clients that's, you know, you could upcharge, you know, $4 a square foot, whatever you're charging for hang finish texture double it you know that's what you'd charge for fresco hmm. yeah it's it's kind of interesting stuff but if you're inclined ryan i'll send you a link and this goes for anybody out there i'll send you know we have a sample pack request to link you fill it out and i send you a color chart a color pack a little bit of sealer and you can play around mix up a batch play around with it you know if you're really interested you know, go online, figure out a color that you like, order it and just do a wall in your house. And you'll be like, Oh, this is awesome. I'm going well, to totally probably what gonna end up doing, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to like sell this to the builders that I work with and show them a sample and be like, dude, you can pick any color and we'll make your wall look like that. It's, you know, build and builders love it because it sets them apart from other contractors, you know, other builders, because now they have a plaster finish They've got an applicator, Ryan Glass, and they can produce this and upcharge their clients. Yeah. You know, I mean, walls, there's nothing in this space, you know, and drywall, you're limited to doing drywall and you're competing with every Tom, Dick and Harry in your area, you know, at, for the lowest price. Well, this just gives you like a, uh, you know, a leg up. This is not, you know, nobody in your area is doing it, you know? Yeah. I think the so, only thing that's separated us apart so far is that we'll we'll take on the, like the challenging jobs. Like I said, a lot of the guys around here do production work and whatnot, so we tend to uh, do a lot of the custom work, like Z shadow beads around baseboards, windows, doors, and yeah, curved curved staircases, stuff like that. That stuff's cool too. And we did. Uh, there's a video called "The Venetian Corner" on YouTube where I did a whole house in Step Bowl from Trimtex. And reveal bead, decorative reveal bead. 
and we match painted. So I'll put all the match paint into a rattle can, although you could run it through a sprayer and yeah. you could, you spray all your corner bead and then mask it off and do all your flats and uh, fresco harmony. There's a whole video on it. It's pretty cool. We did all the, yeah. all the, the trim around the door is all uh step return yeah. around all the doors. And then we did three fifty step on the windows and then three quarter step on all the large standups smoking <laughs> whole house. Like, and I, Dude. I mean, I, I didn't bid that one. Well, I think I was at like two fifty a square foot for hang finish, <laughs> like all of it, you know, and cause I wanted the experience. I wanted to like try it out and it was, it was quite an experience, but you know, um, that specialty corner bead, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to sell and people aren't really selling it, you know? Yeah. It's, it's kind of a bummer. I carry a, I carry a trim tech sample pack around me with like all the special beads on it. Like chamfer, Just, all that stuff. Yeah. So like yeah. when I get a hold of the, the fresco harmony and I actually try to go through the system or whatnot, that'll be the same thing. That'll probably be carried yeah. around with me too. That way I have something to showcase for it. That's how you sell it. I mean, these builders and, uh, you know, contractors and designers, they have no idea it exists, you know, and a lot of drywall dudes don't want to put it on because it starts affecting their bottom line and they don't know, man. It's like you upcharge it, dude. You charge an extra 10 grand on the house. They want like, you know, specialty corner beat all over the place. It's like, well, you get, you know, I'll figure out a price point that works. You're cutting out the trim guy. Cause now you're doing this like decorative trim around your windows and stuff. And then you're doing this like beautiful finish on the walls. You yeah. know, there's, there's an extra, you know, $2 a square foot or whatever, but you know, back out your paint, back out your texture. Cause now your texture and your painting bid is getting consumed into the fresco harmony. You know, that's kind of the idea. It's a new way of thinking about walls and what we do as a profession. It's like, I feel like we're, cutting ourselves short a little bit you know like there's so much more we could be doing when i hear about a lot of guys what they charge it, it sounds like a lot of people in the drywall industry are cutting themselves short financially and it, yeah. it just hurts to hear it sometimes yeah yeah and that's okay and that's where as a community we go on and be like hey man you should be charging more dude in your area and plus, if like if you're getting that price point, man, you don't want to work for that guy. And they're probably beating him up on top of it. You know, they get those. Yeah, it's 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 pretty tough. It's tough, especially. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, all the all the subs, I feel like get beat up by the GCs a lot. It does yeah. a number on your body, like it. If for nothing else, it does a number on your body, so you should be charging accordingly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that hanging, that hanging, man. Uh, I feel like the subcontractors with drywall end up graduating to subbing out the hanging, you know, eventually that like, that's the progression for you. <laughs> like you find, find yourself a hanging crew and then you guys just finish. Oh, no yeah. <laughs> cool. Ryan glass, uh, smooth as glass. What is your pearl of wisdom for the drywall community? You've had some good ones, but uh, if you could put something on a billboard, what would it be? I'm not sure if it fit on a billboard, but it, I would say if you're getting into the drywall, this goes for the younger guys just getting into it. Okay. I'm training two guys right now, and what I try to explain to them is the first six months of learning to mud, you're going to hate drywall. But the second you learn how to do it, you're going to love it. So love just that. stick it out. Just yeah. stick it up. I love it. I love it. This is to the newbies, man. It's uh yeah, when you learn how to float that that corner bead to me was always like that was the you know, I loved running corner bead. It was cool, man. There's something really artistic about it. And you can get good at it where you're leaving it like just flat. You know, you put that knife yeah. up there and there's no gap and your 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 angles you brush it off a little bit and it's like it's perfect, you know. Uh and all that's with mud. You know, when you can learn to do that, uh, there's something really special about it and gratifying too. So yeah. cool. Well, thanks for being on the drywall podcast, Ryan. This was a great conversation, man. And I'm glad, you know, you never know. <laughs> no, never... Man, I, I appreciate it. It was a good time. I appreciate it.
Cool, cool. Uh, me, me as well. And uh, I will send you the link. And if I don't send you a link, be like, hey, dude, you're going to send me a free color pack. And then also you're going to get a, a free color pack in the swag bucket from CSR too. So those cool dudes at CSR are sending out uh, swag buckets with like a three-way, a tech dry tool, um, spy sponges, and some other cool stuff uh, from the drywall industry that you guys get to try and use. So Nice. That's cool as well. Uh, every guest oh. of the dry, Drywall Podcast gets a free swag bucket. <laughs> I'm not special. <laughs> cool. Well, um, we will be in touch and talk soon, but you have a great rest of your day, sir. Thank you. I appreciate it. Have a good one, Nick. All right, bye. Special thanks to Ryan Glass, smooth as glass drywall, for being on the Drywall Podcast today. I appreciate your time, your knowledge. You're awesome. The Drywall Podcast today was brought to you by the Drywall Supply Yard out of Montrose, Colorado. Supplying your Colorado needs, especially in Montrose. Uh, Those folks also carry Fresco Harmony, which is super awesome. If you are interested in sponsoring one month of the Drywall Podcast, you can inquire with me directly at info at frescoharmony.com. Guests of the Drywall Podcast will receive a sweet swag bucket. Compliments of our friends at csrbuilding.com. New episodes of the Drywall Podcast can be listened to every Friday on your favorite platforms such as Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and also YouTube. Join us next week when we have Stephen Jenkins, a.k.a. Big Dog Drywall out of Kelowna, B.C. That is going to be a fantastic show, but until then, keep drywalling.